Thank you for joining us for the Lundahl Performance Project Horse Podcast. New episodes go live on iTunes and other platforms every Friday at 11 a.m. Central. Welcome to yet another episode of the Lundahl Performance Project Horse Podcast. My name is Jake Lundahl, joined here by my brother Luke, and today we're breaking down a couple different topics here. We're going to lead off with a horse that can't stand still to be saddled, doesn't want to stand still. We're going to answer that problem. It's a kind of a groundwork fix. Next, we're going to move into a horse that's really spooky when ridden, especially in the arena. It's quiet on the ground and desensitizes well enough, but it's under saddle. It's spooking at every shadow. We're going to deal with that and see if we can get that fixed. And then last, we're going to deal with a two-year-old colt that's just running through kind of a rough spot in his training. He's just not mentally settled. He's really just aggravated all the time, kind of pee-hearted and, and just a little bit disrespectful and sour about everything. And what to do if you hit a rough patch like that in your training, especially when it comes to young horses. But to start with, let's talk about this horse that won't stand still to be saddled. We got a question from a lady the other day that asked us, you know, when she goes to saddle her horse, like this thing is fidgeting around, it won't stand still. She's not, she says, throwing the saddle up and letting it slam down on the horse's back like a sack of potatoes. She's not whacking it in the head with the stirrup or anything ridiculous like that. She's, she's doing everything correct, and this horse just will not stand still. It wants to fidget around. And as you pointed out to me before we started the show when we were reviewing this, you know, it's not about saddling him gently. It's, it's a matter of respect. And the fact that he's just mindlessly fidgeting around and, and just being cantankerous when you're trying to saddle this horse is a sign of disrespect. Right. I think, yes, it's great to hear, you know, that you take caution in the way that you put a saddle on a horse's back. But I think that's something that's more important for like a young colt. When you first introduce that saddle, you don't just want to dump it down on his back like a sack of potatoes. Um, but a horse like this that's a little bit older, it's not so much, it's not quite so important. It's a good habit to be into. It's just part of being a horseman, yes. But the problem that she's having isn't stemming from any sort of like way she's saddling the horse. It's all, like you said, about respect. This horse is just kind of dilly-dallying, fiddle-farting around, uh, not really paying attention, isn't really engaged. Like when she goes out to get this horse to take it into work with it, this horse is like, oh, well, I don't really want to be here. I'd rather be with my buddies, blah, blah, blah. And she, she needs to get this horse to understand that you have 23 hours in the day to do of you time to do you that one hour that I come out and, and get you and need to work with you. I need your attention and your respect so we can get something done. We have a job to do. And so I need your respect. And so the problem for a sit or the, the solution to a problem like this is fairly simple. It's just a matter of every, it's just a matter of consistency. Every time you go to saddle this horse or you go to tie him up and he immediately starts fidgeting around Go put his feet to work. I probably wouldn't tie him up to start with this. I would like do it in the middle of the arena so you have plenty of room to work. And then just go through your routine. Loop the lead rope over your elbow and go about your saddling routine. Start brushing him down, throw your pad on, whatnot. And then the moment he starts to fidget around, take if you threw the pad on his back and he starts to fidget around, pull the saddle pad off and go move his feet. Uh, I'd say backing him up 
is probably the best exercise to do in this situation. But I mean, you could do any of a number of things. You could you could uh, lunge him. You could go over to the fence and and lunge him back and forth and use the fence to create a rollback. You could go and just do regular lunging right there where you're at. You could go and hustle him around, backing in circles, backing in straight lines. Whatever you want to do, you could you could go over to the fence or out in the open if your horse is more advanced, and you could turn it into a side pass and make him do that. Anything to engage his feet and do that. Make him hustle. He needs to realize that there's work when he's fidgeting around. There's work when he leaves the saddle, and there's rest when you're throwing the saddle up and down on his back, and it's just a matter of that. So when he goes to fidget around and you pull the saddle off his back, it's hustle, hustle, move, move, move. It won't work if you're just backing it around and it's just a, a casual Sunday pace, like you're walking to, to church Sunday morning. You need to go somewhere. It's You need to have a, a purpose about what you're doing. And so it's hustle, 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 move, move, move for you know three, five minutes, somewhere in there. You're not going to be in there like 15 minutes just crazy drilling on it because it's a matter of just repetition. So three to five minutes, hustle, hustle, move, move, move. Bring him back over to where you were saddling him and then just pretend like nothing happened. Go right back to it again. Get the, you want to dare him to make the mistakes. Like You almost want the horse to fidget around. A lot of people, when they start to do this, they'll make their correction like once or twice. And then the horse starts to stand there still longer and longer and longer. And they're like, oh, you're stood still. I've got the saddle up there before before you wouldn't even let me throw the pad on. Now I've got the saddle on. Just, just stand still. Let's get through this. And then they just try and make the horse stand still rather than daring the horse to keep making the mistake. The more you try and make the horse stand still and make him quit fidgeting, the more he's going to want to fidget. That's just the way they are. The more... The more they realize that you want something, the more they're not going to give it to you. The more they realize you don't want them to do something, the more they're going to try and do it. So you want to dare him like, oh, you want to fidget? I, I love to fidget. Go ahead and fidget. And every time that he fidgets around, you just say, oh, well, thank you for getting my attention. Let's go put your feet to work. And pretty soon he'll realize that if he just stands there and lets you throw that saddle on, however you do it, either the left side or the right side, that's the greatest thing in the world because that's just chill out time. You leave him alone, but any time that he goes to fidget, immediately go put those feet to work. I was like I said earlier, the backing is probably the best way to do this because that that really takes a lot of energy for them to hustle backwards like that. And whatever you're doing, whether it's side passing or lunging or backing, when you do it, especially the backing, you're going to leave whatever your little area was that you were saddling. It's important that you hustle, 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 back, 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 but don't just stop and lead the horse back over to the saddle because there was a disconnect there. You want it to be black and white. I don't touch you when you're by the saddle and I'm saddling you up or you're aggressively hustling your feet when we're away from it. So if I back the horse from the middle of the arena all the way to one end and I need to, and I'm like, okay, he's, he's kind of got the, he's learned his lesson here. I need to put the saddle on. That doesn't mean I stop and now lead him back to the center. No, now I've got to continue backing, turn him around while still backing, and back him all the way back to the middle of the arena, back to my saddle. And then the moment I get back there, then I drop the lead rope, throw it back over my elbow, and go right back to the saddling. But it has to be that black and white, or he's not going to make that correction. Yeah. This question, I think you summed up our answer, and as far as the practical training tips, pretty succinctly right there. Um, and one thing I want to point out 
is the fact that this question, and there's others like it, it brings up a big key point that often comes up in our training, which is, you know, you don't often think about it this way, but when you really dig in, it's common sense. The horse being just mindless like this, just not paying attention, not being mindful, just kind of fidgeting around doing its own thing, that itself constitutes a lack of respect. That's a sign of a lack of respect. Like a lot of people, you know, they see the overtly super disrespectful negative behaviors like the horse pushing you around, kicking at you, bucking, doing all these other behaviors, and they, they definitely recognize that as a lack of respect. But then there's other times in this, stuff under saddle, you know, there's just a lot of situations where you need that horse to be mentally engaged, ready, and paying attention, and being mindful of where you're at and what you're doing, and just being settled and quiet. And if they're just off with the fairies, so to speak, they're just kind of mindlessly doing their own thing, that itself means they're not respecting your presence enough to be keeping their attention and focus on you. And a lot of people don't take it personal like that and don't recognize that, but they really should start. Like those little things where we see this is a perfect example of stuff we see a lot where people just let this horse get away with it. They don't really make an effort to dramatically correct this. They don't take it personal enough, but it is still a sign of a lack of respect. But it's one of those little subtle ones that, you know, I, I would put it to this analogy. If you're working, say, in an office, would it be a sign of respect if instead of doing the work that's assigned, you completely blow off your boss and start playing solitaire and League of Legends all day? Yeah, that would be pretty disrespectful. That basically says to your boss and your coworkers, yeah, I, I really don't value what we're doing here. I'm not going to contribute. I'm going to play computer games all day. And that's kind of what the horse is doing. They're not overtly doing anything aggressive toward you, but they're just completely taking their mind off you. Um, what Luke suggested is good. I will say, in addition to the backup, one thing we've found that not only gets a horse mentally kind of prepared and in that respectful listening frame of mind before you even get to start saddling them, uh, and, it, and it just helps you refine your backup anyways, is getting in the habit of backing that horse to and from the barn and other places that you would normally lead them for two reasons. One, again, just gets the horse in that respectful frame of mind right off the bat. And two, a lot of people do not expect enough out of their horse's backup. The backup really isn't, it doesn't have any energy to it. There's no sense of urgency whatsoever. And when you start asking people, instead of leading back and forth, you need to back your horse that same distance. They start to realize how slow and methodical, like molasses, just pathetically, their horse is actually backing up. And they start having a sense of urgency to make that sucker back up and start refining this thing and getting some energy in its feet. So it's a great way to be mindful of how good your backup actually is and just another opportunity to practice it every single day. Okay, now let's turn our attention to a, a, another question that kind of gets at a little bit of a psychology angle again as far as these horses go because we all hear a lot about desensitizing a horse, especially on the ground. We both believe it's extremely important, but there's only a certain amount of quietness that that despooking and desensitizing and sacking out can get you. And this is a perfect example right here of a wall that a lot of people hit and they're lost because, you know, they've desensitized the heck out of this horse and he's still being an idiot under saddle. 
Um, but we got a question here from a lady who, you know, she's got this horse that's super quiet on the ground. She's desensitized him a lot. Um, but when she's riding, especially like during the day in her arena, there's different banners along the fence. And depending on where the sun's at, they'll cast different shadows. And, and this horse is literally spooking at every shadow and just will not get over this. But she's bewildered because on the ground, even in that same arena, lunging and stuff, he's perfectly fine. But under saddle, he's noticing everything and he's just on the verge of almost being out of control. And so, again, like I said, this is a very common thing that trips people up is they, they come to us and say, well, you know, I've done all the desensitizing in the world and this horse is still kind of a crackhead under saddle. What do I do? Right. And I think this is, um, this isn't something that's super common. Mo I'd say most horses out there, especially your typical fat, lazy quarter horses, most of them, they kind of just make that, that connection and you, you sack them out, like you said. And as a general rule, they're pretty chill with everything else, but there is that, and there's enough of them that it is, you know, something worth mentioning. There is that group of horses that just doesn't quite make that disconnect and or that connection really between all the sacking out that you can do on the ground and then what appears to be just really dumb stuff when you're riding them around like a shadow from a banner on the fence or the banner itself or whatever yeah, and and people get tripped up because it seems like no matter how many you know, circles and turns and how many, you know, they might do a thousand rollbacks by this banner. And every day this thing is coming out there looking at it the same, being goofy. Right, exactly. And again, this goes back to something else that we have harped on a lot previously. It's just a mental game. That horse is not mentally engaged enough with you when you're riding him to focus more on the person on his back rather than what's going on around him. And so we see that a lot. Well, he's really spooky when I ride him here. So I've gone back and I've done a ton, ton more on the ground. I've sacked him out a lot more. I've drug out the tarps. I, you know, I went and hired the, whatever the little wavy thing is they use at the car dealerships. I went and hired that for the day. I've, I've just gone, you know, totally off the rails with random stuff to try and desensitize this horse and nothing's working. Well, it's not, it's because you're not working on the root issue. And a lot of the times what we find is, oh, I've been, I've been rolling him back up and down the fence and every day it's still the same. Well, then when we dig a little bit deeper and we're like, okay, well, what exactly are, are you doing when you roll the horse back? Well, you know, I start jogging a few circles and then I jog up and down the fence and then I pick up the lope and I just lope him back and forth and turn his nose into the fence a couple times and, and then he's good with it. And then we, then we go off and by the next lap of the arena, then he's completely forgotten what it is again. We've seen some horses that that, that same old routine every day kind of becomes almost like a joke to them where they, <laughs> they come out in the arena and you can almost imagine the chicken dance music playing as they see the same old banner and they go <laughs> and all, all of a sudden it's off to the races and we're doing our little circles and da 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 and then five minutes later he calms down but it never gets better and it comes down to take control of this thing, like get inside of his head, get him paying attention to you, get his mind on you and quit being reactionary to where you let him initiate the crisis and then just kind of la-di-da around and, and just kind of let him ease down when he feels like it. Right. And I think there's three main keys to this. Uh, 
Point number one, this is not how you teach a horse to be relaxed with something that he's spooking at. This has to do with a horse that you've thrown a lot of desensitizing at him, and he has this continuing just... He's like a repeat offender with a certain thing, whether it's like the banner or the shadow or whatever. He keeps spooking at it. And every lap you do around the arena, he he lopes around. I'm good. I'm good. Ah, what is that? And then he's, oh, okay. And then he lopes around. And I'm good. I'm good. Ah, it's the same thing. And it's just like this repeat, repeat, repeat. It's like that movie Groundhog Day, just every single day. So this is not how you teach it. This is for a horse that is not getting it through. Number two is what exactly are you doing when you are redirecting this horse's feet back and forth on the fence? Are you just kind of lollygagging and you're technically steering him left and right and pulling him around a little bit, but is there any sense of urgency to what you're doing? When I'm redirecting a horse's feet in front of something that he's spooking at, my mind is hustle, hustle, move, turn, go, turn, go, hustle forward, lope, trot, turn, left, right, back, forward. You, you don't have time to be spooking at this banner or this shadow. You're too busy wondering what I'm going to ask you to do next, and you're too busy hustling your feet to have time to worry about it in the first place. And then lastly, so I'd say making sure that you are effective enough with your corrections is number two. And then number three is, okay, if you are doing that, you are being effective with your corrections and still not getting after it, well, then it comes down to he just isn't really that concerned with the rider on his back. And in that case, using the turnaround, more, more specifically, spinning the horse on, on your foot. And what I mean by that is where you have the horse in a spin, but you have his nose bent all the way around to your inside toe. So if I'm spinning the horse to the right, he's going to be his nose is going to be bent around to my right toe. And in doing this, it's, it's a really restrictive type of a maneuver. The horse is really bound up and it's very difficult. And so it gets their attention very, very quickly. And I will use that on a horse that is kind of a chronic offender that just doesn't really care that I'm there and it's more of a game. And so I'll just lope him along on a loose rein and say, okay, you, I've been, I've been babying you, babying you, trying to give you the benefit of the doubt and you're just not taking it seriously. So, all right, I'm going to completely turn you loose on a loose rein and I'm going to let you make all the decisions. And then you really just put the responsibility on your horse. If he wants to spook, you're going to aggressively spin him around, pulling that nose around to your toe and you're going to hustle that shoulder, hustle, 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 hustle. And it's really a difficult maneuver for them to perform. And then you're going to turn him loose and lope right back off again. And you're going to dare him to spook. Some horses really benefit from that contrast of they're going around. And again, this they're in a habit of doing this. This isn't the ones that are truly afraid or green. Exactly. But they're, they're in a habit of just kind of being on their own terms. And then they just mentally leave and they spook at the same old thing or what have you. And it's, it's actually really helpful to then up the contrast to where they do that. They make that stupid reactive decision. Suddenly you throw a mental roadblock at them and come here, pull them around on their back foot. Essentially what you're doing is giving that horse a reason to pay attention to you. Another horse we've gotten a question on recently is a two-year-old colt that he's been in training very consistently for the past few months. And he's just kind of that horse that's really just not very, not really a natural go-getter, not very ambitious, not very eager to learn. He's doing well in his progression overall. Um, but he's just kind of that sort of, he, he kind of is reminiscent of Tangle in a way from the Project Horse series, kind of, 
you know, pea-hearted, kind of oversensitive and, and almost a little bit sour, like gets irritated about pressure. Um, he's kind of overly sensitive in that department, but overall his personality is that he's lazy. And so, um, you know, again, just not a natural go-getter, but the silver lining in all this is he is a two-year-old. So even though you're kind of at a rough patch here, you do have time on your side. Exactly, exactly. And this gal in particular, um, as far as getting her cult started and whatnot, she gets a lot of handle, a lot of control, suppleness um, on on her horses. And and you know we've we've seen the work that she does and and know that she can get the job done. And but this horse is a very interesting one to bring up for this type of a podcast because of the problems that it brings to the table. And like you mentioned, it's not a very natural go-getter, and that is something that is just reality. There are horses that are the A-type personalities, and there are the ones that just would rather phone it in every day. And that's why breeding is so important, like in any discipline at the, the top, top levels of, of competition. But that aside, getting back to this particular question, like you said, this horse is really, really lazy on the surface, but every day that especially lately, like this last week, I believe, every day that it comes out, it comes out kind of fidgety and kind of hot and pissy about yeah, everything. Just, just unsettled mentally. Just unsettled and flustered about everything. Just won't settle. Right. Is, was the gist of it. Exactly. And right off the bat, especially, you know, everything, like you said, this translates a lot to the horse Tangle for the, the Project Horse series. These type of horses that are really lazy like this, but then kind of flip the switch a little bit to getting kind of hot and then real pissy. For those type of horses that just aren't that A-type personality, it's kind of an attempt by them to just escape life in general and just escape pressure. And so they go through this little rough patch where they get real anxious and they start out the ride hypersensitive to your legs and to the reins and and just over anxious about everything and that's that's an area where you as the rider you can't get frustrated and take it to the horse and oh well, you're gonna start you know fidget around well we'll see who can fidget faster and then they just up the intensity and they really get after this thing and they get angry well then they end up going down this road where there's no return where they just royally piss this horse off to the point where it's going to be mad always. Like the, There's no getting back to that. But it's easy to get emotional about it. And one thing we've been guilty of in the past, it's an easy trap to fall into is, you know, this thing's coming out. It's being squirmy, just fidgety and flustered and reactive, you know, hypersensitive to your leg. And it's, it's wanting to anticipate left and right. And so you're like, oh, come here, you know, and you start taking a hold of it and snatching it around. And it's, it's easy to then go down that road and it kind of snowballs into more and more of a problem. And it's, it's, it's no end in sight. But the answer for this horse, to be quite honest, would be to maintain what you're doing essentially at this stage, because it is two, keep in mind. And it's really, you know, like unlike Tangle, I would say, and this is the one advantage, whereas that horse had years to practice bad habits and she was hypersensitive to the point where you had to go through an initial phase where you sort of dulled her up and got her used to accepting pressure. And then you sort of crossed that threshold 
where it was like, okay, now it's actually time to start putting in a little more effort in. I'll never get world-class effort out of you, but you got to give me a little bit more. You're capable of way more than this, you right? Know, which is a field type issue. On this horse, you can you can kind of, I mean, he's just green right now. He's just green. And like like you mentioned with like Tango and creating those those bad habits over time. You don't want to, like you said, it's a two-year-old. You don't want to start off this relationship with fight, fight, fight. Every time you come out there, you take the boxing gloves, you know, and put them on and, and you get ready to go. Like this horse, it's a bit pea-hearted. doesn't have a whole lot of try. But that being said, you can't let this horse provoke you every day into getting into a knockdown, drag-out fight. You're uh, several months into this particular problem and you have to let the process play out. I don't remember. Um, it's just a, I can't exactly remember the cliche, but, but it's, uh, it's all over like the sports, especially football where it's, I think it's respect the process. And everyone says that, especially with a, a team that's tanking, you know, like ne Nebraska college football, we respect the process of bringing in our new coach and recruiting our kids. Like that's what we've been in the last 20 years, but it's very true with something like this. You need to respect the process and just realize, okay, we're only, let's be realistic here. We're only three, four months into this thing's training. And this horse has, you know, a good, almost probably 20 years left of decent riding years. Yeah. So there's a lot of time to get this done and it doesn't need to happen now. Like you need to be a good citizen right now. Exactly. Now, what you could do that would probably be beneficial even now is again, not let your emotions get the best of you, maintain what you're doing, looking for those times when they give you a little effort or they do, you know, come back to you mentally and they do submit and you can release to those things. But, you know, even if you can like not up the intensity but the consistency and the amount of time that you're spending on your program, like in this horse's case, um, you know, maybe throw in some two-a-day rides would be super beneficial to this horse at this stage, especially if you're hitting a particular patch that's just kind of rough. Again, not, you know, using it as another opportunity to pound on him and have a knockdown drag out, then let him air back up for round two, but just mentally keep rinsing and repeating this stuff and just giving them more of a chance to get comfortable and get settled with everything that you're doing. Yes. And the nice thing about those two day rides is you come out and you begin your first ride and the horse is dancing around and, Oh, what are we going to do? Oh, I hate this. I don't like that, whatever. And it's kind of, and it goes through like a, a 10, 15 minute window she described of it over being overreactive and like hyper pissy, if that's even a thing. Yes. And then finally she kind of warms it up and works it through that. And then the rest of the ride is pretty good. But doing a second ride, that allows you to have one ride where it was probably, you got half the time was spent actually being really productive. You spent the first half of your ride just getting this thing mentally malleable and trainable. Yeah. And then the second half of your ride, you actually were able to get something done because it was finally in the right frame of mind. Well, you go tie it up, offer it some water, you know, come back half hour, 45 minutes later, and you do a second ride. It doesn't even have to be as long, but if you quit that horse right, and when he was in a good frame of mind on your first ride, when you start your second ride, you don't need to go through all of the little, you know, fidgety and, and all over the place pissiness that you started out with on the day, you've already worked through that. So the whole second ride 
is all positive gain in his training. So it, like without you having to put in more effort or be more aggressive or like you said, pound on him, you can just go about your program, be, be relaxed, remain confident, and just let more time and more rides and more consistency get the job done for you. But that being said, when I say more rides, I'm almost cautious to say that because that doesn't mean literally just you getting in the saddle and going through the motions is going to do anything. Like You have to, as the rider, as the trainer, as the horseman in this scenario, you have to be actively progressing and and asking for more of this horse every ride and doing everything with a purpose in mind and extremely aware of whether or not this horse is actually coming to you with a submissive mindset not just moving off your leg not just giving to pressure in various ways that you ask for but actually adopting a submissive attitude that you can release to you have to be much more aware of the mentality and that's kind of a feel thing that's kind of an experience thing that's kind of one of the big games of horsemanship is figuring that out when they're going through the motions versus when the horse is actively committed. Yes, and going back to going back to that feel thing, a horse like this that is that is going through this stage right here, it is very it is crucial that you are super aware of the the little wins throughout the ride and not harping or drilling on particular exercises. Like get in there, get it a little bit better and then move on and don't take any bait along the way if let's say you're yielding this horse's hindquarters and, and he's really swishing his tail and that and that annoys you so what do you do you pick up your spanker and you whack him on the ass and now you've just created a fight for absolutely nothing you can't take the bait on simple pointless little things like that and you also need to realize that okay once he's done something right okay move on and do something else or if you're ready quit the session. I've seen all too often someone starts out the ride and the horse does something they don't really like to begin. Let's say they're going and they're disengaging the hindquarters. They're going from like a lope down to a stop and disengaging the horse's hindquarters. And the first time that they do that exercise, the horse throws their head up as they try to pull it around. And then the horse comes around and disengages hindquarters and then they go on again. Well, that one time that it threw its head up, like really triggered something in them. And then they're like, oh, you threw your head up. I'm going to see if I can recreate that again so I can fix it. And then they just go insane and they spend like 20 minutes loping this thing and pulling them around left and right, trying to expose that problem again. And in that 20 minutes, you know, after the first three minutes, he did it really well one time. And rather than saying, okay, I'm going to put that in the bank for today and then I'm going to move on to something else or finish my ride. They kept going because they're like, no, you didn't throw your head. I'm going to try and root this problem out. And they keep going and going and going. And then 20 minutes later, now the horse repeats the same bad habit it did to start the ride. And then it gets worse. And now they've like, they've flip-flopped to like a point of no return yeah. where the horse is like, I can't win. And then they start looking for escape routes. Exactly. Just don't get led astray like that by your emotions, which is easy to do. We're all guilty of it. And that's part of the process of horsemanship is, is figuring out how to regulate and control yourself and yes. look for those little wins, look for those little victories and don't allow that horse to take you down a side trail that you get lost on and end up digging more of a hole for yourself yes. in the end. And and the reason that we can really speak to something like this is, oh boy, have we been led astray on several occasions and made this mistake and screwed it up. And it's all about, you know, just saying, okay, pick your battles. What what are my wins and, and my losses? And don't 
try and strive for absolute perfection every day. Just chip away at it and let time be your ally. Thank you guys for joining us on yet another episode of the Lundahl Performance Project Horse Podcast. We hope you got value from it. If you have suggestions for us on show topics you want us to cover or things we could be doing better, hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash Horses. See you next time.